0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I will be your host for the next hour here on WFMU, Freeform Station of the Nation, live from Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. Thank you to Olivia for that Surveil Me track. (laughs) A great lead-in to tonight's show, which I'm going to get to here in just a moment. Uh, had a lot of fun last week having a conversation with WFMU station manager Ken Friedman live here in Studio A. We were talking about the year ahead and the Twitter files and a bunch of topics. If you missed that show, it's a good conversation. And you can go back in the archives at WFMU.org to listen to it or techtonic.fm, T-E-C-H, tonic.fm. Now, one of the things I said in that conversation was that it felt like things are turning around just a little bit, that maybe, maybe we have passed the point of rock bottom and we are starting to see things improve in the tech industry just a little bit as regulators get on the field and get on the job to start uh, bringing some, some order and some control to the runaway uh, misbehavior of these tech giants. And that was the good news that I wanted to deliver last week uh, because I don't, as I've said before, I don't want to be all doom and gloom here on the show. So I want to point out good news, good developments, interesting projects, and so on, where I see them. But I also don't want to lose sight of where the tech industry is really still marshalling its resources, its considerable resources, and trying to take us where it is trying to guide the economy and our society uh, to very dark places. And tonight is one of those shows where I am just reminding you what's at stake if we allow the tech giants to have their way with all of us, with all of our communities, with democracy, with the economy, and so on. Um, and uh, so we're, we're going to, we're, I'm going to talk about, uh, it's going to be a surveillance roundup this evening, and I bring up last week because in, tonight is in contrast to the good news that I was giving you, or the good news that I was hoping for and hinting at in last week's conversation. This week returns to a more realistic, pragmatic look at where things stand with our surveillance state and our surveillance economy. Uh, Before I dive in, a couple of other more fun notes. (laughs) One is that last Saturday, it was a privilege to uh, guest host for Roger on Double Dip Recess, the Saturday morning kid show here at WFMU. And uh, if you'd like to listen to that uh, show, you can find it in the archives. Go to WFMU.org, go into the schedule or the archives, and find Double Dip Recess, and you will see that fill-in there from, uh, from two days ago, from January 7, 2023. The other thing that I want to point out is that this being a tech show, I could not let this pass without making some mention of it. Uh, tonight, if you are counting in binary the episodes of Tectonic that I have hosted for the five years and change this is episode number. If if you do you have a pen, I'm going to tell you. This is episode number one zero 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 zero. That's uh, ten to the eighth in binary. Uh, and no, it's not episode one hundred million. It is episode two fifty six. So yes, uh, that's well, it's not <laughs> it's not uh, ten to the eighth in base ten. But it's a one with eight zeros in base two. So happy, uh, happy episode 256, everybody, everyone who's, uh, who's into binary arithmetic. Tonight, as I said, we're going to be doing a surveillance roundup. This is a kind of a show that I do two or maybe three times a year just to catch you up on what's been happening in surveillance. Sometimes I've done catch-up shows on, on other topics, but I've noted, I've been tracking just the rise of surveillance um, technologies and surveillance related news in the past month or so, just in the past month. And it's stunning how much has been happening with relatively little comment. I mean, as, as I get into these stories, <laughs> you'll probably recognize a few of them. You may have heard of a few of these. Um, I mean, and, and if you're really if you're really on the ball watching this stuff, you might have heard of most or even all of them. But I think for people who are just generally paying attention to the news mostly, I think you're going to be surprised at the intensity and the urgency of some of these stories, what they bring up, what what they mean for us, and the relative lack of coverage or discussion that they've gotten in the media. And that's that's why I want to do occasional roundups like this, because I feel like this is, this, these topics are not e- explored enough in mainstream media or even independent media, whatever media uh, that, that we pay attention to. Surveillance is not getting enough coverage. And I don't want the show week to week to be all about surveillance. That's not the only topic I'm interested in. But uh, for Pete's sake, some of this stuff. Well, we're going to get into it, and you can, you can agree or disagree with me. But I think it's well worth us taking some time. I'm going I'm planning on getting back to an interview with an interview guest next week. But I just wanted to take some time to walk through some of these stories. Um, surveillance. Okay. So, what I did was I, over the last month or so, I have been keeping. A list of surveillance related stories most of which I just can't believe what's happening and I came up with a list that would easily fill two hours okay just going through story after story after story I could easily go for two hours but as as I have one hour uh, because we I need to get out of here at the top of the hour for the great Dave Mandel to come in with uh, with it's complicated his prog rock show I had to whittle these stories down, and I think I count twelve. If you go to the playlist at wfmu.org, click playlist and comments, you'll see the stories that I have s- selected, and you can follow along. I mean, I'm going to be talking about these stories. I I hope I think uh, more or less in order. There's also some um, some images that from two of the store th- no three of the stories that I'm going to be referring to that you can follow along and watch and and take a look at as I'm. Talking through these, um, so before I get to the first story, why surveillance? Well, should I even get into? Well, I was thinking about this today. Do I need to justify why we should be concerned about surveillance? Because there are people out there, and if you're a new listener to the show, maybe maybe you've heard this or you're thinking this yourself. Why should we be concerned with surveillance? If you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to hide. Which is just a non-answer, in my opinion. There is there is no meaningful conversation to be had on that basis. I have nothing to hide uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, uh, you have nothing to hide, really? Uh, are you wearing clothes? Yeah? Why are you wearing clothes? It's, it's nice and warm in here. Okay, and number two, uh, nothing to hide, huh? Do you mind if I take a quick look at your uh, bank account? I'm not going to change anything. I'm not going to siphon off funds. I just like to look at it. I'd like to look at how much money you have here and how much you have in that account. Would Would you mind? Could I look into all of your documents? Um, yeah. Okay. And number three, how about uh, things like health? Mind if I look through your health records? You know. So we could we could go down this road of going into uh, areas of life that people naturally feel private and protective about. And yet when they hear about surveillance, they say, oh, I don't worry about putting an Amazon ring on my door because I got nothing to hide. Well, don't you understand an Amazon ring fitting in uh, a, a one more camera into Amazon's national network that's building a surveillance state in partnership with law enforcement agencies all over the country uh, is is building a very different kind of surveillance society in which people... Uh, they may want to stay private but privacy is compromised and finally destroyed in the name of profit for the companies and uh, intense control of the citizens for the for the government neither of those is a great outcome for a country that claims to be a democracy so i'm not going to belabor this i'm not going to go into uh, a lot a lot more about why we should care about surveillance but i just wanted to give a nod to this that this is The growth of the surveillance state is a clear and present danger for all of us. Um, By the way, if you want more details on this kind of thinking, more heft to this argument, go read, and I've recommended this before, Privacy is Power by Carissa Velis, who was on the show just a couple months ago. You can go back in the archives and listen to the interview, but get a copy of the book from your local library or wherever. Privacy is Power by Carissa Velis. and she goes into detail about why this is uh, an existential crisis, the, the destruction of privacy in democracies all over the world, not to mention autocracies. So let's get into our first uh, story about surveillance being dismantled and destroyed bit by bit. This is one I chose, I wanted to start with one that maybe most of us have heard from, heard about, in the, at least in the New York area, This was from the New York Times, December 22. The headline is Madison Square Garden Uses Facial Recognition to Ban Its Owner's Enemies. So, this is a story, again, you may be familiar with this. There's a lawyer who lives in New Jersey, accompanied her daughter's Girl Scout troop to the Rockettes. What is it, the Christmas Spectacular or something like that? The Rockettes do this performance at Madison, uh, not Madison Square Garden, excuse me. Radio City Music Hall, which is owned by the owner of Madison Square Garden. And so as she walks into Radio City Music Hall, you have to go through some sort of security check, kind of like the airport. And I guess unbeknownst to her, uh, there was a little camera on the scanning machine, got an image of her face, uh, ran the image of her face through a facial recognition database, identified her, and there was a little alarm and guards swarmed and immediately pulled her out of the venue. Just her. I mean, her her daughter and the rest of the Girl Scouts were able to go in and, and see the performance. The reason why this woman, her name is uh, Kelly Conlon, was pulled out is because she is an attorney at a law firm that is involved in a lawsuit with Madison Square Garden, the owner of Radio City. And... So the Times article by Kashmir Hill and Corey Kilgannon goes into some detail about how facial recognition was used there and how the owner of MSG apparently has got into other kind of spats with other people who he disagrees with. And there's some sort of ongoing lawsuit between this law firm and MSG. And the owner said, okay, you know what? no one from that law firm is allowed to come into radio city music hall or any of the, any of the venues i think within the msg umbrella and the way that he enforces that is by putting in facial recognition and what's what's and by the way this woman kelly conlin says she's not involved with the lawsuit at all she she's just she's just employed as an attorney at that law firm she has nothing to do with suing madison square garden but even so, the owner considers her uh, an enemy or, or adversary or whatever and pulls her out the moment she steps into the venue. So if we, we, we could talk about the owner, you know, do you agree with that heavy-handed approach? But I want to I say something that's a, a little more broad about facial recognition, the spread of facial recognition. Uh, means that we, as long as it keeps spreading, we are going to see more examples like this. This you remember facial recognition, like a lot of these surveillance technologies, came. They started uh, bubble up in the wake of 9/11, and the government and these companies, the whole security state said, the reason we're putting in these these extra security precautions is to find the terrorists. We have to find the terrorists. We're going to put in. Uh, watch lists and no-fly lists and we're going to get their their names and their photos and we're going to we're going to root them out and it was all this anti-terrorist war on terror stuff that we have been s- seeing now for 20 years and it has metastasized into a technological platform where someone who is wealthy enough who does not like certain other people for whatever reason can can uh, program his devices to see and identify those people as soon as they enter the property and to, in in a, a very surgical manner, just remove that one person from the venue. Now, can you imagine any other person or organization with enough wealth or influence who will be able to identify and name people who they don't want on their property? For any reason. And and then, you know, public spaces that we, we grew up thinking, you know, you buy a ticket, you go, as long as you're not misbehaving, you buy a ticket, you go to the theater and you're going to get to see the show. That's not the dystopia that we're entering into now, friends. Now, there's going to be cameras that watch you, that surveil you, and if they identify you as someone that, for whatever reason, the owner or the algorithm doesn't like, you're out. And uh, that's going to have a real chilling effect on the experience of being in what is claimed to be a free and open society. When you're being watched and judged and measured and analyzed at every second uh, and, and not knowing when the guards are going to descend on you and frog walk you out of the place. Frog march you, I guess, is the, is the phrase. Now, in contrast to that story, there is a counterpoint that, and I, and I want to say thanks to station manager Ken Friedman for sending me this story. I would have missed it otherwise. This is from nj.com. So this is the news site for the uh, state of New Jersey, and this is dated January 3rd. So not even a week ago, the headline is: This New Jersey town just said no to facial recognition cameras on its streets. And the the story, very simply, here is the town of South Orange. Nice job, South Orange. They had some facial recognition cameras uh, is, uh, that were had already been installed and activated uh, within South within the city limits within South Orange, and. Uh, there were questions raised about whether the technology was reliable or not and whether uh, it was prone towards misidentifying people of color and thus having an unjust effect on one set of citizens, uh, which has been documented many times, that the facial recognition technology uh, does not have the same rates of accuracy for white faces and black faces and that has led to some really awful consequences for people innocent people who've been misidentified uh, by facial recognition cameras and the cops show up and you can guess what happens next and so South Orange better minds prevailed in South Orange New Jersey to say hey why do we have these cameras look at the outcomes that this is going to start creating in our community let's dismantle this and so they took the extraordinary step of actually pulling down the cameras that had already been installed so again i, I really give credit and, and and full admiration to the activists within uh, south orange new jersey who were able to push that through which is the right step and i would love to see more citizens do that. I mean, when New York citizens are ready to start legally, nonviolently, uh pulling down, you know, through legal channels channels, pulling down and dismantling some of our surveillance apparatus on New York City streets, I would love to start with the Google surveillance towers. These Link NYC towers that are nine feet tall and now the Link 5G towers I covered on a recent show that are, what are they? 30-plus feet tall, uh, that uh, all of them have hidden cameras on them and are watching New Yorkers and doing who knows what with the resulting data. That's a surveillance apparatus that is growing and growing and growing, and I have not seen any meaningful opposition to that. Maybe we should um, bring in the people from South Orange to uh, teach a little workshop on why facial recognition infrastructure is a really bad idea in... Municip- municipalities. So let's move on from uh, governments and Madison Square Garden and go to a more uh, more familiar types of type of technology, which is the Roomba. And this may this also may be a story that you've heard something about. This is reported in Technology Review by Eileen Guo on December 19 of last year, 2022. The headline is, well, I'm not going to read the headline yet. Let me just set the stage for you because if you haven't heard this story, this is one that's going to uh, (laughs) make you really wonder, is this for real? And yes, this is for real. The Roomba um, is a little robotic vacuum cleaner that in the early instances, the early versions of the Roomba, would just run around your rugs and floors in your house kind of randomly until it decided that everything had been vacuumed up, and then it would find its way back to its charging dock, and that, would, that was it. Some people thought the Roomba was cute because it was this flat little hockey puck thing that would just roll around, and some people would give their Roomba a name like it was a pet or whatever. And then, and I reported this, Early on in Tectonic's run, probably in the first year or two, 2017, 2018, news came out that Roomba was beginning, as it, as it, as it uh, rolled over the carpets and floors, it was beginning to put together a floor plan of the customer's house. Now, that by itself is not a bad thing. Just getting a floor plan within its local memory is not necessarily a bad thing. It may want to know where the walls are. So it can, I don't know, slow down, or it can just predict when it's gonna need to stop or something like that. It's not bad for it to have a, a, so to speak, a mental model of the floors and the rooms in the house so that it can be more efficient in its its vacuuming. That's okay. The problem is that Roomba was found to be using the customer's Wi-Fi network to upload the customer's floor plan to iRobot, the company that, that made and owns Roombas. What in the world, people said, why does it need to share my floor plan with this third party company? Well, that was just the beginning of the surveillance economy when people were still trying to figure out why do they wanna be so creepy? I think we know now, right? If you've been listening long enough, you know now why these companies wanna be, it's not to be creepy, is to get all of your information into a dossier so that they can manipulate you into buying the, the things they want you to buy, to watch the things they want you to watch, and to stop doing and relating to people uh, and ideas that do not serve the corporate interest. Governments have a great interest in this as well. So it's for it's, it's for matters of control and profit that this, this stuff happens, not to be creepy. Well, anyway, that was Roomba four or five years ago, was found to be uploading customers' floor plans uh, into the cloud. Well, then then they decided, this is iRobot, wouldn't it be cool if, and that's always a dangerous thing when the tech bros at some uh, profit-seeking company says, wouldn't it be cool if, because it's usually not cool for the customer, it's usually cool for the growth of the company. But anyway, they say, wouldn't it be cool if the Roomba had a little camera on it? camera. This is not something that the Roomba needed earlier on in order to roll around the the floors and and rugs in order to vacuum. This is supposed to just be a vacuum. What is it doing with a camera? Well, if you want the answer to why it needs a camera, rewind to what I just said 30 seconds ago. This is why Roomba, the more data, the more money. And then Amazon bought iRobot, which is the maker of Roombas. So now amazon owns irobot irobot is now a subsidiary of amazon so roombas are essentially amazon owned surveillance vacuum machines vacuum cleaners that have a surveillance camera installed on them so if you're using a roomba and there are competitors as well as well that have have similar uh, uh activities by the way in their use of data if you're using a robotic vacuum cleaner that has a camera on it you have opened your home to a surveillance device and so now we get to this incident this set of incidents reported by Eileen Guo in technology review great story and there is an image on the playlist that shows what I'm about to read you in the headline. Go to w, If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Tectonic on WFMU. Uh, my name is Mark Hurst. Go to WFMU.org, click playlist and Comments, and look at the photo. Scroll down and look at the photo that a Roomba took. I believe this was in Venezuela. By the way, if you're listening in the future, go to the Tectonic site, T-E-C-H-Tonic.fm. And find the January 9, 2023 show. Click on the playlist link so you can look at this photo. This is taken from Technology Review. They got this from an anonymous uh, leaker who leaked the photos of uh, this was a gig worker in Venezuela who was looking at photos from a Roomba. So I, I think I misspoke. I don't think the Roomba itself was in Venezuela, but there's a gig worker who, and I'll tell you why in a second, was looking at photos from a consumer's Roomba. And here's the headline of that tech review piece. A Roomba recorded a woman on the toilet. How did screenshots end up on Facebook? Okay, so what happened was Roomba has iRobot, a, a the Roomba maker, has these special development robots. This is what they claim. The, the photos were taken because we have these special development robots that we send out to people who are, allow us to collect data, including video streams, as the devices are running in exchange for incentives for participation. That's what the iRobot spokesperson said. So, in other words, they're saying, don't worry, don't worry. Normal Roombas don't do this. This was only to people, this, these these special units were only sent to people who understood that it was going to be intensively surveilling them and their surroundings. And the images were then sent to gig workers in Venezuela. This is where Venezuela comes up. And one of those gig workers leaked the images in uh, contravention of the non-disclosure agreement that, that they definitely signed as the gig worker. Someone saw this and certainly thought, this is not cool that a a robotic vacuum cleaner has the capacity to take photos of people in their intimate moments. In this case, someone sitting on a toilet and send it up into the cloud, which then gets sent over to gig workers who have full access to this stuff. The gig workers are there because like a lot of AI systems, the AI system does not actually work. So they have to get low paid, often exploited gig workers, often in countries outside the US. Uh, Go back and and listen to my interview with Sarah T. Roberts, her her book uh, Behind the Screen to learn about the economics of gig workers. But anyway, what these gig workers have to do is they have to go through frame by frame and label what they see in in the photos. So if you scroll down, you can see the other two images I have from that Roomba, the gig worker had to label, this is a photo from the user's kitchen, cabinet, cabinet, shelf, kitchen countertop. And so what you have is the company taking the surveillance data from the user's kitchen or from their bathroom in the other case sending it on to gig workers and with the instruction go label put in the labels so we can train our ai so that in some future instance of our ai engine the roomba can automatically know what it's seeing and when it sends it up to our servers we won't need the we won't need to share it with gig workers we'll just have all of this ourselves for the building of the private dossier on all of you i mean it's it's really disingenuous of iRobot to say, oh, these, these Roombas, they, they, they're never meant to surveil you. It, it, it was just for development. Yeah, that's it. it. It was just for development. There's nothing to worry about here. I mean, give me a break. Why do you think Roombas, not development robots, but off-the-shelf Roombas were taking measurements of consumers' floor plans and sending it up through the cloud to iRobot in the first place? It's, for, it's surveillance capitalism. Don't tell me that you have no interest in surveilling people as they sit on the toilet. You guys, of course that's your next step. What they do with the gig workers now is what they are going to be rolling off the shelf to the rest of us soon enough. Don't use surveillance vacuum cleaners. Why do I even have to say this? But it's and it's owned by Amazon. Of course Amazon is doing this because it does it in all other areas of its company already. Did you know, and this comes from December 5, an insider, Amazon is offering customers $2 per month for letting the company monitor the traffic on their phones. Yeah, Amazon says, We will intensively surveil you and all of your activity on the phones and what you buy and what you look at and what ads you click on. And um, don't worry, we're gonna compensate you for all of that data you're giving us. We're gonna give you a whopping sum of $2 a month. Think of what you can do if you let us surveil you to that nth degree for an entire year. If you do the math, you will come out with twenty-four dollars per year. That's how contemptuous Amazon is to consumers when they are surveilling. They don't want to pay, they don't want to pay us anything. They would love to have the Roombas continue to roll around and get that private data on us for free. In fact, in fact, why am I saying for free? They want us to pay them. What does a Roomba cost? A couple hundred bucks? hey, I got a great deal. Instead of me paying you $2 a month, Amazon says, how about you pay me $200 to install an invasive surveillance device in your home that does things with data that we won't tell you about? Yeah, great, great idea. And it goes on from there. January 5 in The Verge, just four days ago, headline, you can finally buy the Ring Car Cam. You know what the Ring is? This Amazon ring is, oh my gosh, This thousands and thousands. Is it millions yet? I don't know. It's, it's countless Amazon rings have been installed all over America on, on front doors. This thing, you know, in the U.S., kids, growing up in the surveillance state, let me tell you a story. When I grew up, when you would go to someone's house— There would be the front door, and it would look like a door, and it would have a handle. And then usually on either the left side or the right side, there would be a button. There was no camera. There was no digital pad. There was no microchip. It was a button. You know what the button did? It was very simple. You would press the button. It would ring something that was called a doorbell. Ding dong. That's all it did. It it completed a circuit so that a bell or the sound of a bell inside the house would ring. And now what we have is surveillance cameras. Instead of a doorbell, we have these surveillance cameras on front doors all over America that watch everything that happens, not just at the door. It's not for, it's not for the door. It watches the entire street. This thing has a wide range uh, of, of vision. It gets people not just who are visiting the house but who are walking by and it has a microphone so it's listening it's listening not just watching but it's listening to conversations on the porch it's listening to conversations in the foyer when the door opens uh, i saw one of these recently and every time you go by the door it says i have a recording somewhere i should have brought it tonight maybe ne- maybe next week Uh, It says uh, something like, alert, you are now being recorded. And you hear it again and again and again. And it's Amazon just telling you and habituating you and numbing you to the the constant ambient surveillance of Amazon, one of the most powerful companies in the world, watching you, recording you, listening to you and analyzing everything about the data that it gets on you and not telling you what it is and not compensating you. Oh, excuse me. If you'll put in their malware on your phone, you'll get $2 a month. So back to the Verge article on January 5, you can finally buy the Ring car cam. So now Amazon Ring What an insult that is to a democracy to have these on on front doors all over the country, but that's not enough. Amazon needs growth at any cost. So now they're putting these things in cars. Now when you ride in someone's car, you could be surveilled and have your image, your video, your voice, print your conversation all sent up into the cloud from because they, they use wireless connections. These, these surveillance cameras inside the cars, and they send it straight up to Amazon. Of course, they tell the owner, well, you know, you can activate Alexa, Alexa, record this. You know, if you get an offender bender, um, it'll, it'll record and, you know, we're, we're your buddies. It's just for security. There's no other reason we want all this data. Give me a break. But it's not just on your door, the ring, and it's not just in your car now, the ring. It's now Well, should I just read the headline? This is from the New York Times, December 2, 2022. Brand new news. I can't believe no one's talking about this. Here's the headline. The NYPD, which is the New York Police Department, is now on Amazon's Neighborhood Watch app. Yep. The article says, the nation's largest police force recently joined the Amazon Ring Neighbors app. And can now enlist the help of the city's residents in investigations critics say it could lead to racial profiling Uh, and it's i guess this is happening in los angeles it's happening in chicago it's alarmed digital rights and privacy activists who say that the platform could leave could lead to over surveillance by the police a burden historically borne by people of color and in New York, home to the nation's largest and most digitally sophisticated police force, this venture represents a dramatic expansion of the police's surveillance apparatus. I mean, they already have access. This is me now. They already have access to all the, the Google Link NYC and the Google Link 5G towers all over the, all over the city. Now they're going to have access to all the Amazon surveillance cameras that people are putting on their front doors. Why are we not talking about this? I mean, it, the NYPD now has access through Google and through Amazon to all of the surveillance assets that both of these companies have on all of us. How is that healthy for a free and open society? And yes, yes, there has been a lot of research in the outsized effects suffered by communities of color based on these surveillance systems. How is that just? How is that fair? For one part of our community to be over-targeted. And, it, you know, people say, well, that's not my community, so why should I care? Don't you understand? Don't you understand? These companies, they target the vulnerable populations first to get a foothold, and then they come after you and your family. You're next. If you don't like what's happening to the vulnerable communities of color, you should stand up now and say something about it because it's coming for you next. The NYPD has now made an agreement with the Amazon Ring app. It's now got access to the Ring cameras in New York City. Oh, gosh. I'm gonna take a uh, breath here, because I, I have a little uh, uh, segue to something that's a little bit lighter. Uh, this did you hear about CES? Because I have a I have about a ninety second audio clip for you. CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, it's held in Las Vegas every year, and much like um, big launches from Apple or other companies, some for some reason the media loves giving CES free advertising by by reporting on all the cool and wacky gadgets that the guys have come up with this year, and uh, increasingly as the tech industry. Embraces surveillance more and more. Uh, the CES is, is more and more full of these really distressingly invasive devices and platforms that should have no role in our lives at all. I mean, it's really di- more and more dystopian as CES. It used to be simply silly and ridiculous and, uh, and, and useless, and now it's actively harmful stuff is coming out of CES. So the Washington Post actually did a good job on January 8th, yesterday. Uh, it's 2023, and tech is still pushing unsafe products. This was a story about some of the worst items that came out of CES. And uh, there was this, uh, from, from a company called iFixit, there was this worst in show award, which I think they have been doing, this is the third year, the worst in show awards, meaning the the most harmful products that came out of CES. And Neutrogena came out with a new, you know, Neutrogena, they do skin creams and I don't know, it's, I don't know, beauty stuff. So stuff that you would normally just, I guess, smear on your skin. Um, it's a skin care company, I guess, has come out with something in CES. I could not believe what I was hearing. Uh, Neutrogena has, let me just play this. This is from Nathan Proctor, who is Senior Director in the Campaign for the Right to Repair at uh, PIRG, the uh, Public Interest Research Group. Nathan Proctor was on the Worst in Show uh, award ceremony, which is linked at WFMU.org. Uh, in the playlist, here's what Nathan Proctor said about this new Neutrogena product that debuted at CES.
1: What kind of person, upon surveying the nutritional supplement market, thinks to themselves, why just sell vitamins when you can also add in proprietary refills and biometric data harvesting? So I want to introduce you to Neutrogena's Skin 360 skin stacks. They are literally not stacks of skin, at least I hope not but using a special camera attachment on your phone, you can scan your face and this app prescribes you some kind of nutrient regime, which is custom 3D printed into gummies, you can order for $50 a month. Now I know some of you are familiar with $50 gummies, but instead of letting you escape the dread caused by late capitalism for a few hours, these gummies unfortunately have the opposite effect. They're just multivitamins. (laughs) The impact of health supplements are unregulated and notoriously sketchy. So it it takes a special kind of achievement for the skin stacks to make a product that is so ridiculous, it stands out in a marketplace that is so notoriously scammy. You know, I've often wondered if I get a few more thousand social media followers, perhaps I too, could become a mid-level supplement grifter, Zach, I feel like you have this opportunity if you want it. But in the meantime, I'm just going to wonder who asked for this.
0: Who asked for this, says Nathan Proctor, talking about Neutrogena Skin Stacks. That's the name of the project, the product Neutrogena Skin Stacks. And if you look online for a photo of these things, um, it looks like discs of gelatinous, colored gelatinous material that you're supposed to ingest. Um, I guess the pitch is that it's supposed to have some nutritional benefit as vitamins, but who knows what else is in skin stacks. And, and it's not like you're just buying it over the counter, just give me some skin stacks. I'm really jonesing for my skin stacks. Um, what, what's happening there is that, as Nathan said, there is a biometric surveillance aspect to this where before they'll even send it to you, you have to scan your face. So back to facial recognition, in order to get this uh, possibly edible, uh, material, I can't call it food, of, of, of some provenance, some unknown provenance. Before you can even access that, you have to give Neutrogena your facial data. This is the brave new world that we are entering into. Before you can enter a theater to see the Rockettes, you have to give your facial data. And pretty soon before... Well, let me get to the next story to, to, to fill in the rest of that. Before you can X, you're going to have to X. Because probably the worst product that I heard of coming out of CES this year, and this did get some play, was a product called USCAN. And that's the letter U hyphen scan. Um, you can guess from the name it has something to do with surveillance because it's scanning a particular biometric. And I have to warn you that this, I don't mean to be uh, sensational uh, or or scatological here, but I do have to just, in a dispassionate way, tell you what is being scanned. The U-Scan is a little um, sort of mini hockey puck. Why do the surveillance devices all look like hockey pucks these days? But it's a little flat white hockey puck shaped thing that you put inside your toilet. None of this is a joke, by the way. Um, U-Scan sits in the toilet, and when people uh, urinate, the urine goes onto the little hockey puck, and the U-Scan device uh, claims that it does some kind of a health scan by analyzing the urine. And, of course, there's there's a smartphone app and the data goes into the cloud and the company gets the data and can do all kinds of processing. In other words, what's happening here is that companies are looking for ways to get more biometric data on you. They wanna scan you, they wanna scan your face, they wanna scan your voice, they wanna know who you're seeing, they wanna read your email. Like any company that can surveil you and get some kind of data to add into a dossier on you that's gold. That is money for them. And so this company at CES says, I know it will do. We're going to put a little puck in people's toilets. And when they go and do number one, we're going to get health data on them. And don't worry, we'll pitch it as, I don't know, make something up about health benefits. And that's what we'll tell them. But think of all the data we're going to get because we can read all sorts of disease conditions and hormone levels and so on and so forth. Well, some of you, I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't mean, to, it's not funny. It's just, what do you do? What do you do in a world where there are companies with a straight face that are selling devices that are going to surveil your urine and try to try to sell it to you as though it's good for you to give up your biomarkers to some tech bro company that's going to do who knows what and sell and share, and slice and dice, and analyze your private health data. Um, But there's something else. In urine, there's a particular biomarker of hormones, as I said, that can detect uh, certain things around pregnancy. And given the news around uh, Roe v. Wade and uh, the, the, the changing law around abortion in the U.S., this company could have access to uh, data that would could leave could lead to criminal indictments Um, and people brought that up Uh, people brought that up in that worse than show announcement and here's here's what the Washington Post uh, how the Washington Post story put it on January 8th one of the conferences breakout favorites was the U scan urine sensor from connected healthcare company Withings, which analyzes hormone levels in urine and is gearing up for a U.S. launch. After the Supreme Court overturned the right to an abortion in June and some states banned abortion, hormonal changes could potentially become evidence of a crime. Withings said it stores that data indefinitely and if subpoenaed by law enforcement would complete quote from the company would comply with all legal requirements in the territories in which it operates so now you could say um well maybe say well i I, i'm i'm not going to get pregnant so that's not an issue um but for uh, once again Think about communities and and people affected by technology other than yourself and think about where that leads society. Moreover, think about what that means if you go to a friend's house. Do you need to ask them, do they have a surveillance puck in the toilet? Because you'd rather not use the restroom if your biomarkers are going to be harvested by some weird third-party company. I mean, it's bad enough. It's bad enough. You got to go to people's houses and they have an Amazon ring so that you are going to be surveilled when you go to their house and just go through the front door. It's bad enough that people have an Alexa uh, surveillance puck on their kitchen counter, which could be listening to your conversation with your friend. You didn't buy it. You didn't choose it. But in order to be a good friend, you go to their house and you're being surveilled at the front door and now in the kitchen. And then you have to use the restroom. Now you have to ask them, do you have a stupid hockey puck in your toilet that is going to be watching me urinate. And by the way, please put away that stupid, idiotic, robotic vacuum cleaner with that ridiculous surveillance camera on its head. That's the kind of conversation we're all going to have to have with our friends before we go visit anyone's house from now on. Isn't this a fun dystopia? I don't know what to tell you. And VentureBeat, VentureBeat is the site that uh, boosts all of the new tech bro companies because it's in the business of, of pumping up valuations. And so here's what VentureBeat said. Uscan can distinguish between various users thanks to its stream ID feature. Low energy radar sensors embedded with, within the reader measure multiple variables to identify an individual's urine stream signature by detecting the movement and distance of the stream. Once again, friends, why do I have to read sentences like that? A surveillance sensor in a toilet uses radar to identify the unique, what do they say it? Unique urine stream signature so that the little puck knows exactly who it is who's in the bathroom moment to moment. And so if you go to your friend's house a few times, not only is it going to get to know who you are by that really creepy method, but it's also going to be measuring any changes in your hormone levels from visit to visit. And depending on who you are and what's happening in your life, your data could, for various reasons, be shared with law enforcement based on an innocent visit to a restroom in your friend's home. And by the way, what happens when the government decides that it would like to get biomarkers on citizens and put these, puts these in every public access toilet, in every uh, airport and train station and bus station and, uh, and everywhere else, every government office all over the country? This is the kind of stuff that we have to resist. We have to say something about this is not for, for, for giggles here. This is really serious. The precedent that this, th- th- this is setting, and I'm talking about Uscan, and the Roomba, and the Ring, and the Ring car thing, and the police uh, partnerships, all of these are setting a precedent that, that is habituating us to the worst, worst kind of dystopian possibilities in this country. And what are people saying? The very little, we walk by the, the Google surveillance towers every day. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I have nothing to hide. I hope you enjoy eating your Neutrogena skin stacks when that becomes the uh, the the food that is handed out as you're in line for the surveillance bathroom. I don't actually wish that. I don't wish that on you. I'm just being I'm just being satirical okay let's move on uh, hackaday had a question not a question a headline of december 12 students at northeastern university rebel against heat sensing crotch monitor surveillance devices i'm not making this up friends and i gotta i gotta go here in a minute students rebel against heat sensing crotch monitor surveillance devices now apparently, Northeastern University they don't want the uh, professor to have to do the laborious task or a TA of taking attendance, so they just put a cr- what is it a, cr- a heat sensing crotch monitor under the desks in the lecture halls, so that it can figure out how many students came to class that day. Isn't this a great dystopia we live in? We have, we've been saved, the TA has been saved the, the uh, 32 seconds it takes to count the 19 students in the, in the five rows of the lecture hall. Now we can use at a, at a low price of probably 10 to $20,000 to install in that, uh, in that lecture hall a, a series of heat sensing crutch monitor surveillance devices. Good job. And I'm being satirical here, being sarcastic. Good job, Northeastern. Why don't you go down to South Orange, New Jersey and learn what you're supposed to do to surveillance devices? Tear them down in a legal, nonviolent manner. It's about time for the great Dave Mandel to come in here. Uh, uh, There's one other story, if I can do this in one minute, maybe, maybe not, uh, in Vice, January 9. This is today, friends, today, breaking news. Researchers could track the GPS location of all of California's new digital license plates. Yeah, California did this great thing. Hey, you know those metal license plates that, you know, can always stay the same? You know what would be fun is if we use digital license plates, which can change and say wacky things. And by the way, they can be hacked. And we can track them. That's really why the government wants it, because they, they can track the location of every car all the time on the highway. Again, how do we get more data on our citizens? So they're proud to announce these digital license plates and very quickly, researchers were able to say, yep, they can be hiked, hacks. excuse me, they can be hacked. After gaining access to a powerful admin account, the researchers were able to perform all sorts of tasks. And actual, they, they were able to update, track, and they found they could delete anyone's digital plate. This is, the, this is the future that we're entering into that, that we're taking things that worked perfectly well like metal license plates and we're turning them into hackable digital surveillance devices. So the front of the car you've got an Amazon ring cam and the back of the car you have a surveillance license plate. Great job. Let's just hope you don't need to stop to use the restroom. You've been listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Until next time, friends, you know exactly what to do. Avoid Apple. Abandon Amazon. Forget Facebook and whatever you do. Get off Google. And we're going to go out to a tune called Transmission Clause by the dictaphone that was on the great Daniel Blumen's recent premium. Have a great week, everybody. See you next time.
2: The way it starts. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another installment of It's Complicated. I'm Dave Mandel, your host. I'm here every Monday evening between the hours of 7 and 8 p.m., playing you an hour of Prague and Prague adjacent music. Thanks for joining me this evening. We are going to begin tonight's show with a couple of gong related pieces. Gong was a, uh, I guess, an in international group led by a guy named David Allen. David Allen was Australian, lived in England for a while, was involved with the, uh, with the folks from Soft Machine for a, for a time, uh, moved to France, was based in France for years and years. Anyway, that's enough, I think, about gong for now. the thing to know the thing that you need to know about Gong was they were hippies, I mean like real hippies <laughs> like hardcore hardcore hippies um they sang about pot and other hippie subjects, and all right, so we're gonna we're gonna hear a track from. The, the album You, Y-O-U, from Gong, 1974, I think. And then I'm going to play, it's beat up, it's crackly, it's a very old WFMU's original vinyl copy. I think it's more or less playable. We're going to hear uh, something from Steve Hillage. Steve Hillage was a member of Gong, guitarist, also a recording artist in his own right, obviously. I'm going to play a record by him. And that'll do it to start us off this evening, so... Here we go with gong.